0: Good morning. Get a little bit closer here. Good morning. Welcome to the National Capital Bible Church. And this morning we have a real special for us, and that is we have Jim and Phyllis Myers here with us this morning. So Jim will be speaking to us both sessions, and I'm looking forward to that. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but they're mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Lord is my strength, my light, and my strength. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? This morning we have Just a few seconds for spiritual preparation. I have a few other announcements, but let's go with spiritual preparation, confession of sins. We understand the procedure, I think, the grace procedure of confessing our sins so that we are no longer walking in darkness but walking in the light for studying the Word of God. So let's take just a few seconds for spiritual preparation, confession of sins. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, we are indeed thankful for the opportunity we have to worship you, to worship you, Father, in song and in prayer, in the second service also in giving. And we're thankful, Father, for those who have traveled to the mission field, who are teaching and taking the word of God to foreign places so that they can present the word of God, the gospel, and the word of God to those who are lost. We're thankful for Jim and Phyllis, we're thankful for the opportunity they have to address us. We pray, Father, for your blessing upon these services, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I will be traveling this week, so on Wednesday night, one of our seminary students is going to uh, be teaching Bible class, Niles Johnson, on Wednesday night. So please uh, come out and listen to, to Niles. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do. might be talking to us a little bit about church history, which is always exciting. Knowing our roots and from whence we come is very important. Uh, the offerings today, the offering today will go to the Myers, and the easiest way for us to do that is to simply have you give to the National Capital Bible Church knowing that the offerings we take today will go to the Myers Ministries. So you can make your check out to the National Capital Bible Church or anything in any other way you give the uh Offerings today will go to the Myers. I wanted to very quickly say thank you to those who were able to come out to the uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship training on Friday night and Saturday. We had a, a, a remarkable time. We had 20 people there, I think, uh, and uh, Wayne Radio did a great job. I want to continue to ask you to pray for uh, Wayne as he interacts with our schools here locally. We are, he is talking to those schools for us to have entrance into them. Pray for the schools, the administrators there, uh, principals, uh, superintendents, uh, faculty and staff, that they would uh, receive us. Certainly pray for the students, the children, and the, and the parents, that they would uh, be able to uh, that they would learn that we're there, that we'll be given the opportunity to let them know, and that their children will be available to us. And then, of course, praying for those who are uh, part of the uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship team here at, on, in the church, that we will continue to have enthusiasm for the opportunity to bring the gospel and the word of God to these children, and that we will be properly prepared. So we have... Uh, a lot to pray for with regarding the Child Evangelism Fellowship. Uh, at the conclusion of our second service, you may begin thinking of this already, at the conclusion of our second service, we plan to go to lunch at a, a local restaurant with the Myers, Jim and Phyllis. And so we'd like for anybody who'd like to join us, we would like for you to do so, have a chance to ask Jim and Phyllis questions about their ministry and also get something to eat that, That option will be there, too. Uh, Introducing Jim. Uh, Jim is a a gentleman that I have known for several years. I like to say many, but at least several. I've met him through other ministries here in the United States. He is uh, uh, an old friend of many of our friends. He spent years in, in Baraka Church growing up there. And he is a past, has been a pastor of local churches here in the United States and then decided that he had uh, a call to go to uh, the mission field. And I'm going to let him talk more about his experiences and what he's done, but he is currently in Kiev, Ukraine, where he does two things. He is the pastor of the Word of God Church and he is also the director, I'm going to call you the director, of a Bible college. He's preparing young people for ministry in their churches there in Ukraine. They probably maybe even travel other places. But, Jim, I'm going to turn it over to you. Please come and minister to us.
1: Well, good morning. Good to be back here again in the land of cheap gasoline. <laughs> Our gasoline is 5 to $6 dollars a gallon. They had a uh, commercial on television. Well, it wasn't a commercial, it was a news spot. And a man bought a Hummer, and he was in Holland. Showed him filling up his Hummer. Cost him eight hundred dollars. <laughs> we have problems in this country with uh, our economy. I'm sure you've heard that in the news, uh, and it's getting worse and worse. Federal Reserve is printing money. Would that we could do that. We might as well. The money would be just about as valuable as what they are producing. Um, I uh, have been going to Africa for many years, going to uh, Zambia. Zambia is uh, what used to be called northern Rhodesia. Right next to Zambia is southern Rhodesia, which today is called Zimbabwe. And uh, Zimbabwe has had problems already with their economy probably not unlike what we're going to face in this country in the not-so-distant future. And I hold here in my hand real money printed by the government of Zimbabwe, Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe. This is $5 billion right here. But that's, that's nothing. Here's $10 billion. I don't know why they don't just... Whack off about nine zeros, but uh, twenty billion dollars. Okay. It it gets better. Here here's a fifty. That's fifty billion. But I have here what is purported to be the largest single denomination bill ever printed by any government, and with this. I can pay off the national debt of the United States of America if they would accept it. I think I'll send this in and see if they'll accept it. This is real money. It's not play money, not monopoly money. This is for $100 trillion. Now, I hold here in my hand 100, trillion, 100 billion dollars and for this I had to give $3 American. <laughs> and the man who was with me said, Jim, you paid too much. <laughs> and literally, if people want to go to the store to buy something, they have to have huge amounts of money. So, a man has a wheelbarrow full of money going to the grocery store, and on the way to the grocery store, the man was mugged, and they dumped out the money and stole his wheelbarrow.. <laughs> could that happen here? It could. I hold here in my hand. It says the United States of America won. Million dollars. Of course, the United States has not yet printed a million-dollar bill. This is actually a gospel tract, and uh, people go. You can order these online, by the way, if you want them. But it's a million dollars. Got a picture of uh, Rutherford B. Hayes on here, and it's it's very clever. They've got some Bible verses that are hidden here, and uh, on the back they've got a small gospel presentation. Uh, The man who uh, made these things up was arrested for counterfeiting money. He said, this is nonsense. They have never made a million-dollar bill in the United States, so how can it be counterfeit? (laughs) But we have a lot of counterfeit things in our country, and things are, are getting worse and worse. It's just like there was a time when Solomon had made up these shields of gold, a thousand shields of gold, beautiful. Later on, these were captured, taken away, and so the king of Judah made up a thousand shields of brass to put them up in their place, and they were bright and shiny, but not really gold. And we are seeing a lot of things that may be bright and shiny, but they're not the real thing. And we have a lot of counterfeit things. And the only thing that is certain is the plan of God. And if you're putting your trust in riches, in the government, in gold, in silver, whatever you're putting your money in, no certainty. But we have something that is sure, and that's the Word of God. It does not change. And our God is immutable, and He doesn't change. And so we can have absolute confidence in the God who is and the one who has a plan for us. And what we've got to do is to get with that plan and to follow it. And then we can know that we have security, but that's the only thing we have of security. I must tell you I am very pleased about your involvement in CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship. You're getting involved with this, and I'm just absolutely delighted. This is a ministry primarily to children, but it can also have an impact To adults, it will have an impact in your church as a local church. If you are working together to minister to children, this is wonderful for the life of this church. I believe that you do this as a ministry of the church, it's going to provide more benefits than you could imagine at this point because you're going to be doing something not just as individual Christians but as a body of believers, and I believe that this is very good. For the body, and also you are going to be part of fulfilling the Great Commission and taking the gospel and providing that. And when you start seeing children come to faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never had that joy before, you are going to be so excited and you're going to be uh, thrilled that you have had a part in eternity. And you are literally changing eternity. When someone comes to faith in Christ, now they're going to spend eternity with you forever and ever. And you can be doing something in this life that is really significant. Oftentimes, people come to the end of life and they look back over their shoulder and they say, What have I done? What is all of this worth? But you know that when you have been involved in the plan of God and you have done the will of God, now that's eternal. And that is significant. And also you have the opportunity of changing the course of history in time. I have a hero. His name is William Miller, and you probably don't know anything about him. Nobody knows him very well. He was a man who... Lived in the 19th century. He was a businessman in Boston Had a small shoe shop. Just a Christian, a nobody. But he loved the Lord and he was faithful in his spiritual life. And he witnessed the people who would come into his store. And he hired a teenager to work for him just as a clerk. And he gave the gospel to this young man. And this uh, teenage boy heard the gospel message, put his faith in Jesus Christ. And this teenage boy went on to become the greatest evangelist of the 19th century, a man by the name of Dwight L. Moody, who was responsible for leading millions and millions of people to faith in Jesus Christ through his preaching and his ministry continues even until today through the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, which has prepared more missionaries to go out to foreign lands than any other institution in history. My wife and I attended that uh, Bible Institute uh, back in the 60s. And Moody Bible Institute continues to send out missionaries all over the world So here's this William Miller. Nobody knows about him. He's just an obscure Christian, but he was faithful and he evangelized. He brought one person to faith in Jesus Christ. And that man has a legacy that continues even until today. You don't know. You be faithful in giving out the gospel. And it may be that you are going to bring some child to faith in Christ who's going to change history. And if they change history, it's because of you. So you have changed history. And we're talking about eternal things here. So I am just delighted that you're going to be involved in this as a body of believers. I want to encourage you to continue to do that. And I believe that we have been given a mandate to make disciples to evangelize and then to edify by teaching the Word of God. And this is a commission that has not been rescinded. It is still for us today. And we need to be concerned about doing that. God has left us here for a purpose. And our purpose is not really to grow to maturity. We must do this, yes. We are commanded to do this. But there's a purpose for that. And the purpose for our going to maturity is so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has for us in living the spiritual life, in being witnesses for Jesus Christ. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left planet Earth to ascend to his Father, he said, You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem, your hometown. You'll be witnesses in Judea, in your home country. You'll be witnesses in Samaria. This was the neighboring country where they were hated. And then beyond that to the uttermost parts of the world. And this is our commission today. And we need to recognize we have a responsibility in this area. I pastored churches in America for about 20 years. During that time, we had missionaries who would come through, and they would come to the church, and they would tell us how the Lord was blessing them in these various countries. And I can remember saying when I heard this report about tremendous response in the Philippines hundreds and hundreds of people coming to faith in Christ and how they were coming to churches and how they were studying in Bible institutes. And I said, oh, it would be wonderful to minister in such a place. Then we had a man who came to our church. His name was Harlan Popoff. He had pastored the largest Protestant church in the country of Romania under the communists. And uh, about 1949, he was arrested, and he was horribly tortured by the communists to the point that he actually recanted his faith. And when he did that, they had a mock trial. They put him on public trial, public disgrace, and then they sent him to prison. And while he was in prison, again, he was horribly abused physically for many, many years. He was in a cell where there was no light when they brought him out. They didn't know if he would ever see again. He was horribly deprived. He got out of prison, and he went back to preaching the gospel. He was again arrested, and they gave him a choice of either going back to prison or leaving the country. And he chose to leave the country. By this time, his family had all left Romania. They'd come to America. And this man came to America, and he began to travel around giving his testimony in various churches. And uh, you can still find his book, perhaps, it's called Tortured for His Faith by a man named Popov, P-O-P-O-V. This man came to my church and he gave his testimony. And he talked about the suffering church, as he called it, the Christians behind the Iron Curtain, those who were paying a very dear price because of their faith in Jesus Christ, were just to name the name of Jesus could cause you to be thrown into jail or sent to the gulag, to be sent to work in salt mines or some other labor camp in Siberia. It's very humbling to meet these people. But as he spoke about the Christians who were being persecuted for their faith, I I had a great response to that and we began praying regularly and diligently for people behind the iron curtain phyllis became involved in a ministry of sending scripture portions through the mail in letters to people in communist lands those people were denied access to the word of god for 70 years couldn't own a bible it was illegal they caught you with a bible you were in very serious trouble Well, we began praying for these people, and so when the Soviet Union collapsed, Christmas 1991, they pulled down the hammer and sickle from over the Kremlin. You know why communism failed, don't you? They went broke. The same policies that they are trying to establish in the United States of America, they tried for many, many decades in the Soviet Union, and they failed. And ultimately, the Communist Party just went broke. Socialism doesn't work. It's been tried many times. Of course, people think it'll work here because we're better people, or maybe we're smarter, or something. But the definition of insanity is to repeat the same action over and over again and expect different results. Well, in 1992, um, we watched the Billy Graham crusade that was taking place in Moscow. And when the invitation was given, we watched people who didn't simply walk Down front in the stadium, they ran. Wow. People who had been denied the gospel and the word of God for so many years, they were running. In 1993, a man called me and said, I'm going to start a Bible institute in the country of Belarus. Would you come and help me? So after consideration, Phyllis and I said, if the Lord provides for us to go, then we're going to go. And uh, the Lord did provide. And we went, and we have been in the former Soviet Union since 1993. We'll start our 17th year uh, there when we return in August. Our objective is to train nationals. I think that the job of a missionary should be to work himself out of a job, to train the nationals so that they don't need the missionary anymore, so that then the missionary can go somewhere else. So our purpose in being in the country of Ukraine right now is not simply to have a ministry. I think we could go anywhere and have a ministry. But our objective is to train nationals to become pastors, teachers, missionaries evangelists they can do it themselves and it's been very exciting for us because the we have seen response to the gospel we planted churches we have the Bible school and here we are training men and so I want to show you a short video Uh, you saw a video last year but uh, I pulled one up that's a little bit older And I think you'll enjoy it because you might spot some familiar faces uh, in this particular video. So uh, I'm going to show this to you at this time, and then uh, we'll have a few more things to say.
2: of our ministry is to provide sound Bible teaching in places where there has been limited access to such teaching, to evangelize the lost, to plant churches, to train spiritual leaders to do evangelism, teaching, training, church planting, and to recruit more missionaries to work in this field. Our primary means of fulfilling this purpose is through the Word of God Bible College and Word of God Church, which we started several years ago. Our goal was to fulfill the principle given by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2.2 And the things you have heard of me among many witnesses Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also For many years we had an interest in the spiritual life of people living behind the Iron Curtain We were praying for persecuted Christians and praying for them to have spiritual freedom On December 8, 1991 The leaders of Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus met and signed an accord declaring that the Soviet Union was dissolved and to be replaced by the Commonwealth of Independent States. Mikhail Gorbachev declared this to be an unconstitutional coup, but it soon became very clear that the development could not be halted. On December 21st, the representatives of all the Soviet republics except for Georgia signed a protocol confirming the dissolution of the Union. On that same date, all former Soviet republics, except the Baltic states of Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, agreed to join the Commonwealth of Independent States. On December 25th, Gorbachev resigned as President of the USSR, and on Christmas Day 1991, the Communist Soviet flag was lowered for the last time over the Kremlin. By December 31st, all official Soviet institutions had ceased operations and each republic had to establish its own constitution, its own currency, and determine its own destiny. In most cases, this allowed people and programs from the West to enter the former Soviet Union which had been so closed before. Thousands of Christians headed for Russia and the other new independent republics taking Bibles and the Gospel. In 1992, Billy Graham held a crusade in Moscow. As we watched the Billy Graham crusade on television we were amazed to see the response of the people and I commented that it would be wonderful to work among people who were so open to the gospel. Little did we know that the Lord would soon give us just such an opportunity. After pastoring churches in America since 1971, in 1993 We were asked to go to the country of Belarus to help start a Bible Institute. After a time of prayer and consideration, we decided to go to the mission field. We began a Bible Institute in the city of Magylof. In the beginning, this was such an exciting work. We taught Bible classes four nights a week, four hours each night, and the rooms were jammed with people who wanted to find out about the Bible. We distributed so many Bibles to people who had never even seen a Bible let alone owned one. Shortly after we arrived in Belarus we started a small church in our apartment but this rapidly grew to such an extent that we had to rent an auditorium. We faced a lot of opposition from the Russian Orthodox Church and from the Belarusian government which was strongly influenced by the Orthodox Church. Ultimately they closed down the Bible Institute and they made it virtually impossible for us to stay in that country and we had to leave. But the church survived its strong today, being led by men who came to faith in Christ during our ministry and who were trained in our ministry. Here we see pictures of the church and of the current leaders. Because we had come to love the people and the work in the former Soviet Union, we did not want to return to America, so we made the decision to accept an invitation to move to Ukraine to teach at a Bible school in the city of Kiev. For several years, both Phyllis and I taught in Bible schools. I taught in various seminaries and preached in many churches. I pastored an international church for a year and became a frequent speaker at training conferences for leadership of the Ukrainian staff of Campus Crusade for Christ. We started teaching home Bible studies, which grew into a church. And in the year 2000 the Word of God was officially registered. I continued teaching at several local Bible schools, but I realized that they were not really serious about training pastors and teachers. And the churches that were being planted by American missionaries were a reflection of their churches in America, and they had no vision for training nationals to take over leadership. So I began teaching a small group of men from our church with the goal of training them for a ministry. a As more people heard about this training, they desired to come to study as well. So we made a decision to start a full-time school, and Word of God Bible College was established in 2001. The church became not only a place for worship and Bible teaching, but now is also a model for future ministry and a training ground in ministry for our Bible College students. Word of God Church has many ministries to singles, to couples, Sunday school, children, and many outreach ministries. Jim Dumas is director of outreach ministries for our church in evangelism and Bible teaching. We go to several different hospitals, to orphanages, to a juvenile detention center, we put on summer camps, and we also have home Bible studies. Now, the Word of God Bible College was not to be a Bible school for just anyone to come to learn more about the Bible. I wanted a school that was aimed at preparing people for ministry. So we decided to limit our enrollment to those who wanted to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, missionaries, or to be involved in some other kind of ministry. We established a curriculum based on a dispensational perspective with emphasis on the gospel of grace. In this school we teach a survey of every book of the Bible and in addition we have in-depth studies of various books. We teach all the divisions of systematic theology, dispensations and covenants, hermeneutics, Greek and Hebrew, and spiritual life principles based on grace and the work of God the Holy Spirit. For several years Mark Musser and his family worked with us And gradually, pastors and other men from the U.S. began making the trip to Ukraine to teach modules. Usually they would come for two weeks at a time, although some stayed for three and four weeks. Dr. George Meisinger, Dr. Robbie Dean, Dr. Todd Kennedy, Dr. Bruce Bumgardner, Dr. Glenn Riddle, Pastor Mark Perkins, Pastor Bob Bolander, Pastor Gordon Shearer, Pastor Byron Shearer, Pastor Dan Ingram Phil Heidemann, Jim Klobnik Ron Fash Students from Chaper Theological Seminary also came to teach courses here Jared Denegian and Ricardo Campos Some came with their wives some brought church members with them but all found their time of teaching in Ukraine to be a very rewarding time for them personally for our students and for their churches as well Many commented that, through their preparation to teach a course, that they had to dust off some areas of their theology they hadn't recently taught, or to study in some portions of scripture they hadn't been to for a while. It also opened some eyes to things that the Lord is doing in other parts of the world through missions. And it stimulated their churches in prayer, praying for their pastor, praying for missions, praying for us. And in many churches, there arose an interest and a participation in ministry activities that had been lacking. People wanting to be involved in some way, in different ways, and as a result, getting involved in ministries in their own churches. Not only were our students being taught in the classroom of the Bible College, but other people are now being involved as well. And all of our students had to be involved in various ministries in order to give them practical experience in how to do ministry all of our graduates to this point are involved in some kind of ministry. Zhenya Savchenko, pastoring a small church in the town of Baryshevka. Sasha Shcherbakov, working with youth and in his church in the western city of Kharkov. Sasha Vladimirov, working in Kiev. He teaches Bible studies for handicapped and he has a Bible study in his home. Vasya Munko, pastoring of a church that he planted in the city of Lviv. Oleg Lazinski has become director of the Word of God Bible College. Nina Grigolia, she's the executive secretary and also the teacher of introductory Greek at our Bible College. Lilia Sanitava, Sunday School director of Word of God Church. Igor Smolyar, in the city of Zhitomer, he is assistant pastor of his church And he teaches at a school of theology that he started for area pastors. And he teaches home Bible studies as well. Sasha Baruta, pastor of a church that he planted. He's a handicapped man. He lost both of his arms in an accident when he was a teenager. And now he has a church that is primarily aimed at ministering to handicapped people. Sasha Musienko is teaching home Bible studies in Alma's church and he hopes to soon plant a church of his own. Antoni and Ola Rudyuk, they work at the New Life Church and Antoni has just been asked to head up the teaching at the Bible college that that church has. Victor Munko, he's assistant pastor of Word of God Church. Victor Wojtek, director of ministries for Word of God Church. Ali Tahiri, He's not a graduate of our school, but he is a former student and he pastors a Persian church comprised of mostly Muslims who've come to faith in Christ as a result of the evangelism done by Ali. Katya Stetsenko, she's a member of Word of God Church and she'll be returning to Madagascar as a missionary. The Lord has also opened the door for us to minister in other countries as well. We've gone many times to Kazakhstan in Central Asia to teach at pastors' conferences and in seminaries. Since 2001, I've been going to Zambia to teach pastors. At first, this was aimed primarily at pastors who had no training at all, but who were pastoring churches in the bush country away from the cities. But this has now expanded to include a conference for church leaders and leaders of other ministries. In the past few years, hundreds of church leaders have been coming to hear the Word of God. We provide them printed materials, as well as cassette tapes or CDs that they can listen to. For the past five years, I've been going to Brazil to teach Bible conferences. In the past, these were sponsored by missionary Tim Lipsey. Over Tim and his wife, Ingrid, were killed in a bus crash last spring. However, their family wants the conference ministry to continue, and so we plan on continuing going to Brazil to teach there. There's a dispensational seminary in Moldova, a tiny country just west of Ukraine. I've been going there for several years to teach a course each semester. Hopes for the future for our ministry. We hope to have Ukrainians sufficiently trained in Bible and theology that eventually they can staff the Bible college for themselves. It's our hope that the Word of God Church will become self-sufficient and able to support a full-time pastor. We want to have a building that's adequate to house both the church and the Bible college. For prayer requests. We pray for continued financial support to be able to carry on the ministries that have already been established. With rapidly rising costs and the weakening of the dollar abroad, unless there's increased support we'll need to cut back on some of the ministries that we're now doing. We would ask that you pray also for our health, for safety, especially as we travel, for stamina to keep up the busy schedule for wisdom to make good decisions pray for new students who will want to come and be trained at our Bible college pray for our faculty we would have a full time Greek and Hebrew teacher pray for pastors and teachers to come to teach two week modules we would ask that you pray for our graduates and their ministries pray for financing that we might be able to Buy or build a college dormitory. Pray for Word of God Church and Word of God Bible College. If you would like to be on our mailing list for mail outs and email updates, contact us. Give us your mailing address or email address. You can write to James F. Myers Ministries, Post Office Box 25348, Houston, Texas, 77265 write to us at email jimmyers at pdq.net that's j-i-m-m-y-e-r-s at pdq.net thank you so much for your interest in our ministry
1: The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. It's amazing as we go out how many places we go that people are hungry for the word, and yet there are so very few teachers. You're getting involved in child evangelism fellowship here, you've got an opportunity to go into public schools. This is an open window. How long the window will stay open, who knows? But I think we need to go through it while we have opportunity, while it's still cold today, because tomorrow that opportunity may be gone. In Brazil, with the Lipsy family, um, you know John and Valerie Brown. Valerie's aunt, Jean, Tim Lipsy's sister, goes into public schools to to evangelize children, to teach them Bible stories. She has an open door to do this. She goes three or four schools a week to do this. She has been trying desperately for two or three years now to get others to come to help her. Her mother used to go, but her mother just turned 90 and isn't able to get out anymore. She's been trying to get people to go and commit to teaching once a week and if you won't go once a week would you go twice a month would you go once a month and people sit on their hands in their churches i don't have time i can't do this all manner of excuses in uh, africa where i go there these people millions and millions of Africans are born again. they put faith in Christ. They've been evangelized, but they've never been taught the Word of God. They are not negative toward the Word of God. They've just never been taught. Nobody wants to go there and spend the time to teach them the Word of God. But they are open. They are hungry. And as I go there year after year, they say, Jim, come and start a school here. You have one in Ukraine, come and start one here. And I say, I can't do this. I don't have the time. I've got other priorities, other commitments. They say, we want to learn. We want to grow. But we need people who are willing to get out of their comfort zone and say, okay, I'll go for a year. I'll go for six months. I'll go for two years. Just to minister the Word of God to these people. I want to tell you about... An expression of positive volition just thrills me. I, I went for several years out to this village, way out in the bush country, a place where they have no electricity, no running water, no toilets. They, they live in mud houses with a grass roof. Many of them don't even have a door on their mud hut. They just have a piece of cloth hanging there. These people have nothing. Oh, but they love the Lord. They know Jesus. And they come together as a local church, and they sing praise. It's humbling to be with those people. It's exciting to watch them. They have nothing by way of material things, but they have a joy, because they know that they've got something coming in the future, and that they're going to live with God forever and ever. And they they praise the Lord. They want to grow. Out in this village is a man by the name of Gideon. He's a blind man. He was born blind. He has never seen the light of day. But Gideon is my armor bearer. Gideon is a man of prayer. Gideon will fast one day of of the week just to focus on prayer. He doesn't come out of his house. He stays there and he just prays. And Phyllis and I are on his prayer list. And uh, it's wonderful. And when I see him, he he asks about us and how we are doing, and has the Lord answered his prayers? Gideon has memorized a lot of Scripture. He can't read. He can't see. But he has memorized Scripture, and he loves the Word of God. He loves to hear the teaching of the Word of God. But Gideon is a very, very poor man. He is poor even among the people in his village. Well, I haven't been out to that village in a couple of years. I've been focusing my attention on teaching conferences in the large city where hundreds of pastors and church leaders have come. Last year we had more than 700 uh, pastors and church leaders who came. More than 40 different ministries, not just from churches, but different ministries came for the conferences that we were having there. Gideon wanted to come, but Gideon has no money. Gideon sold both of his chickens to buy a one-way ticket to the conference. Sold everything he had to come to the conference. He didn't know how he would get home. He didn't know how he would eat. But he came because he wanted to hear the word of God. Well, as it happened, my students in Ukraine took up an offering. And they gave it to me just before I left for Africa. They said, use this money for ministry in Africa any way that you see fit. And so they gave me $80. And so I heard about Gideon selling his two chickens. And I, I went to Gideon and I said... You know, I I am so blessed to hear that you sold everything in order to come to hear the Word of God. I said, but I want you to know that in eternity past, God saw that, and God made provision for you. And so my students in Ukraine who do not know you, they took up an offering, and this is for you. And I put $80 into his hand, and I know that this is more money than he has ever held in his hand in his entire life. He probably has an income of $20, $25 a month. And I put this money into his hand, and I said, Gideon, I want you to go home, and I want you to buy 10 chickens and a rooster. And I said, and there's enough money here that you can buy your ticket back to the village. Use the rest any way that you want. Just enjoy it. This is grace from the Lord. This is just grace abounding. And the Lord has seen you, and he has provided this for you. So I see this positive volition. These people are hungry for the word of God, but we need people that are willing to go and to uh, spend some time and spend their effort to bring the, the Word of God to these people. So it has been our privilege to minister to people in these various places, particularly in Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is unstable right now as far as its government is concerned. Uh, Russia would like to gather its chicks back under her wings and Ukraine, of course, is a, a real prize. It's a wealthy country by way of natural resources. It has wonderful ports on the Black Sea, warm water ports, which Russia greatly desires. And Russia would like to drive a wedge between east and west, and uh, they, are tr- they are trying to do this. So there is some instability in the country from that. We fear no danger. We don't think that invasion is imminent or anything like that. Don't uh, read anything into my remarks, but we just recognize the reality of the political situation. Could it happen? Yes. But we don't know. I would ask you to pray about our visa situation. Most of you have heard about this. Uh, We're trying to get clarification We know that we can return to Ukraine. We plan to do this on August 11th. We can go back there. We just don't know how long we can stay before we're going to have to leave the country again under current law. But uh, what we know is that if they apply the law strictly, then we're going to have to be out of the country 180 days a year if they apply it strictly. But it's a really stupid law. And uh, many people are complaining, including businessmen, if they've invested money in Ukraine and they want to run a business, they can't do it if they're going to have to leave the country uh, six months out of the year. Uh, And so I, I think if they have any sense, they will repeal this law, or the president will get up and simply make a public announcement that the law will not be enforced. He's done that before. Very interesting. (laughs) but uh, we believe that the Lord still has work for us to do there. It's our intention to go back and continue doing this work so long as God is gracious to us in giving us health and providing the support that we need. So I just ask that you continue to pray for us uh, as we carry on this work. So our time is up for right now. Uh, will be available during the break and then after the second session as well. So do we sing here? Do we pray here? What do we do? Just have a word of prayer? Okay. Father, I, I thank you that you are a God of grace and you've supplied so abundantly that we have such blessing in this nation. And yet, Father, we see in the United States so many people turning away from your word and from the principles that made it possible for us to have such prosperity, to receive your blessing. Father, I do pray that you are going to keep this nation free. We deserve judgment, but I pray, Father, that you will extend your mercy so that we might continue to print and distribute Bibles to so many countries, In so many languages, I pray that you will keep us free so that we can continue to send out missionaries all over the world to fulfill that commission that you've given to us. I pray, Father, for our president, for his advisors, for his cabinet, for all of our leaders, for the judges, for the Congress, that, Father, you are going to give them wisdom so that they can see what is evil and what is good so that they can make good decisions. I pray that you will give courage to our legislators and to our judges that they would make the right decisions in spite of any pressures brought upon them, that they might do what is right. Father, I pray that you're going to continue to work through this church, May she grow strong. May the people take advantage of the opportunities that you provide, that they might fulfill the purpose that uh, you have for them right in this community at this time. So I thank you so much that we have the honor, the privilege of representing your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we fulfill this with purpose, with commitment. And also with joy, knowing that we are dealing with eternal things here. And so we ask all of these things through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.